Yes, yes. I'm so glad to be here today with Laura, and we're talking about uh, death and dying functional information. Uh, the process of functional information comes from interacting, witnessing, observing, and then action in our lives when it comes to death and dying. And we today are talking about a new observation of someone who participates in the death process. Um, but before we get started, Laura, would you say a little bit about yourself? Hello, my name is Laura, and I have been working side by side with Christine for several years on understanding, let's say, metaphysics and quantum theory, death and dying process, and so many other things. And I just really enjoy working with you, Christine. Awesome. Thank you so much. So I want to find where I wrote the notes about the emissary, what it is. And I think I might have just written them in a message to Laura, come to think of it. So what I did first is I looked at this word emissary. And it's not a real word as far as I could find in the dictionary. I couldn't find it in an ancient language dictionary. Um, but at, over time, language does change and connotations to words change. But I find when I get names specifically through, you know, spiritual interaction, telepathic interaction, that those words have a vibrancy and a resonance that needs to be maintained. And to just use a different name that's a more common name isn't necessarily going to support the process of understanding. Um, I would say, Laura, you've probably had that experience too, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Sorry, maybe. <laughs> That's fine. So the connotations of words and the vibrations of words can be very different. So when I started um, having conversations about the adversary that came when my mother-in-law was passing, it kept sticking with me that it needed to be adversary because I kept thinking, I must be mispronouncing this. It must be, you know, ambassador. And then uh, Laura had said maybe it's embassy. Or, you know, any of these other words that are more common that we actually know. Emissary. Emissary. Emissary and an ambassador mixed together. Right. And I, actually, I didn't look up the definition of those two words and see if we overlapped them, if it's the same thing. But I'm going to go. Look. Okay. I'm going to go through um, the definition as I have it. Um, if you break the, the word down into two parts, you know, amba as the beginning of it and then airy as the suffix. Amba means mother. And airy turns a noun into an adjective. So if we take mother and we take the, the suffix airy, then we would have motherly. So it's, it's an adjective. So something that is motherly. And then when I look into the information of the person and what they did in the presence of my mother-in-law and what was going on, we can then give it more um, definition. And the first definition I have is a parental figure birthing new life from the end of life. The second definition is the guide who appears to separate life energy from the body of death. Now, let's look at those two and, and see how they actually intermingle and what they would have to do with the death process. So the use of an adversary is a spiritual practice observed by someone who wishes to continue life without a physical body. That is a unique thing. Now, I've seen guardian angels birthed through the death process. I've seen heritage angels birthed through the death process. Um, I've seen scholars, journeymen, all kinds of things. Watchers, they all come through the death process in rebirthing into something new. But this was the first time that I actually had a name 
for this particular process. So what happens is when my mother-in-law was crossing, the person to come to her was her deceased father, and he came as an adversary. And what he did for her is he untied her from the physical form, but he did not cross her over the threshold. Now, when I say crossing someone over the threshold, that's taking them into another dimension, into another space and time, you know, to another planetary experience, to heaven, you know, wherever it is you, you think of that they may go. Instead of taking her somewhere else, he allows her spirit energy to stay here and continue to have a planetary experience. I find that to be unique and that, again, normally when somebody continues to have a planetary experience, they need to be able to interact with individuals on the planet so that they can utilize the energy of being human, even though they're no longer in a body. So, for instance, a guardian angel needs to have someone that agrees to be guarded, you know, to be guided, to be nurtured and educated. If somebody doesn't agree to them, they can't do anything with the energy of the planet. They just happen to be here, unseen, unheard. But once they're accepted as a guardian, then they can utilize earth energy through the human um, connection of this person that wants their support. Is that why some a lot of the angel teachers teach that you have to ask for help or else they can't help you? Yes, Right? And it's not like they can just come to you and say, hey, I'm here. Do you want help? You literally need to be asking for help to give them a voice. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you want to know the, the definition of emissary and ambassador? Yes. An emissary is an agent sent on a mission to represent the interest of someone else. And um, ambassador is a minister of the highest rank sent to a foreign court to represent there his sovereign or country. Mm, Yeah. So yeah, those two put together do match up with the definition that we have for emissary. For emissary? Yes. Mm -hmm. Cool. Interesting, huh? Mm -hmm. Okay. You have more to say? Oh, I do. I do. So, when I was watching this um, the first day, because um, she, she wasn't deceased at the time that the father arrived, and he was gentle and kind and, and doing the normal things that we undo, but as he was untying the energy from the system, it wasn't, it wasn't completely extubated from the system. It was, it was rewoven into the ether. That was again something that was I thought was more unique that I didn't I didn't have a reasoning for it until I started putting together this definition and then asking more questions today. So when somebody is untied, the energy is then um, it's independent and able to move through space and time. But when you weave it back into the ether, it's going to be staying in this space and in this current time. It's not moving. It's not moving back and forth. And that's another thing because a heritage angel can move back and forth through time. They can go to the ancestry, do one thing for an ancestor, and then come back to the present moment and see the impact it has on this moment in, in real time. But this new experience is, again, something different. 
So that's a heritage angel that can do that, right? Correct? Right, and a heritage angel belongs to um, a bloodline, to ancestry, um, and it doesn't have to be by blood, but it can be you know, even through birth and marriage and, and connected that way. But it's the a lineage connection based on um, somewhat DNA over space and time, but not only DNA. It's again, it's also if if I adopt a child that child is part of my lineage now so it, it, it is connected in multiple ways now for the go ahead no i was gonna say that's pretty cool oh <laughs> so when i was looking at this one and i realized that the goal was for the individual to remain on earth as long as they desire and to live separate from a body i had to start asking questions and one of the things i said was so are you of the angelic realm now and the answer was no so that was a you know check off not angelic okay so then i said so are you um able to interact with just anybody on the planet answer again was no now that again surprised me i expected that if you were here just wandering around you could talk to just anybody but it turns out that through this process, you are tied to your family and interact only with your family. You can only view your family. You can only witness your family. So they don't see anything outside of their family. Are you talking about the father or now Mary? Now Mary. Okay. So her process is keeping her as this. And then I asked her too, I said, so are you like a watcher? You know, are you here to record information then about your family? And she said, there's a similar aspect to watchers. So let's go ahead and explain real quick what a watcher does. A watcher has a job um, to sit, examine, take notes, and communicate information to a larger group of beings or individuals about what's going on in present moment. Some of that stuff becomes historic. You know, it can go into um, the Akashic Records. It can be used in communication between space and time. But it's, it's very specific things that a watcher will take notes on and communicate to others. Now, with, with Mary, she's watching us. She's able to communicate amongst us. And she's able to support us in one primary thing. And this right here, this is the big thing that strikes me as an, oh my gosh, this is amazing. She gets to break obligation for others. Okay, now Mary is the ambassary, not her father, correct? No, her father is the ambassary, and it's okay. his work that makes everything that Mary's going to do possible. Okay, and you don't have a name for her yet? Uh, nope, I don't have a name for her yet. It hasn't been said what it is, but it is, um, it is part of the process. I'm sure by the time we keep going with this, we'll get to more information. Okay. So cool. right now I'm just asking her questions about the structure of, you know, what is she going to be doing? Why is she still here? Why did she remain behind? And again, the, the day that her father was there in the room with her, I knew that he was here to take her. And I asked her, I mean, to, un, to um, prepare her. I don't mean take her. To prepare her for what was to come next. And I had asked her if her mother was here. And she said, no, her mother cannot come. And I had assumed that the mother was not able to come yet because she was not fully prepared for to be able to cross. Because when the crossing actually occurs, you know, a large group of family members and friends can show up for you. But what I, I'm looking at now with more information is 
Her mother wasn't able to come because she's not leaving the planet yet. Wow. I remember we had this discussion. You were like, yeah, her mom hasn't shown up yet. I guess she's not ready to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> now, the second day, when, when, um, so that was the, the first day. We're, we're going to look at three days. The first day was the adversary, which was her father. He came to prepare her. The second day, he was absent as far as his presence was not here. There was still an energetic signature of um, honoring and relationship, but his physical presence was not here. But on the second day, her brother, who died in the war, was there with her. Now, he is still tied to the earth. Oh, so he's doing the same thing that she's going to be doing, (laughs) or not the same way. I haven't asked the questions yet, but I, I'm just still putting together all the pieces and trying to figure out, you know, what does this look like? What does it mean? And how does it support life? Because when when Mary um, had this little dog, and I've mentioned this on some other recordings before, Mary had this little dog that would bark, and it would bark at random things. Like, he would bark at this particular spot on the wall all the time. And I came over one day, and I'm like, Mary's like, what is he doing? I said, well, there's someone sitting in the wall. And I thought it was just a watcher, right? But it wasn't a it wasn't a watcher. It turned out to be her brother. And I thought, okay. And I just I didn't think past that, other than she had me ask him some questions and talk to him. And you know, we talked about what his habit was and why he was doing it. And I didn't move anywhere past that. I just figured, you know, he had a traumatic death. Maybe that's why he's still here, or maybe he's just visiting. But there was a different feeling to his energy body than I'd had with other people that were visiting. When people visit and they come back, there's this cleanness about their energy. And you can, it's more of the truth of who they are with no baggage, with no connection to the reality that we live as human beings. They can bond to us to get, you know, to bring more of that back in, but they do come very clean and, and it's easy for them to come and go. Now, With the brother, I felt him as blurry. So there was lines that you couldn't define. There was processes that couldn't be defined because they just kind of all mixed. And it makes sense to me now that he probably is the same as Mary is, which is here with the family, helping release things, helping move them into a place of, um, let's see, the word would be injustice, but... Again, it's two words, in justice. So they'll be just within themselves. They'll be honoring themselves. They'll be nurturing themselves. And I do remember Mary's life changing uh, from the time that her brother started showing up on a regular basis. And again, I didn't put it together that he was influencing her until now. Wow. I I like how, I mean, it's interesting how you say in justice. I do the same thing with enjoy. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I know, and I would like to change the words around, but the connotation needs in versus the actual vibration of the wording. I can't change the words without breaking the vibrational connection. So now we're talking to Mary again, and I was asking her, you know, what what does this mean that you're going to be here to work with obligation and family members? And what came up was, When a family member has a behavior that's driven by their heritage, their ancestry, she can go in and put it like a stop between them and what they're doing. 
So if you think about it, if if you're about to do something like yell or scream at somebody and then somebody walks in the room and stands in front of you between the, you and that other person, you stop. So she is similar to, oh, to that experience, that's nice. right? So there's a moment and we all need that when we're trying to break a habit or change something comes in and stands in the way of that, of the habitual, catches our attention, and now we, we're more in our freedom versus our habitual behavior. I need her to come visit me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I want to do is I want you to actually think about your life, and I want you to remember times where you wished you had certain things that you didn't keep doing, and then if suddenly that became easier to break that habit and you became stronger, do you think maybe you had support in that? Oh, absolutely. And we've talked about this recently, actually, where, you know, I've been breaking trauma and resentment and there was something else just yesterday. Trauma, resentment, and one other thing yesterday in particular. Oh, connection to I your reason it. for being your empathic um, existence. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. There's hope everywhere. So I think that some of this is these type of experiences are being guided by family members who have crossed, who have not wanted to leave without this change happening for those that were still here. Wow. That's really good. No. That would... you know, when people say, well, they had more work to do on the other side than they could accomplish here, you know, that kind of makes sense. Yep, yep, because she can do this now. She tried doing it while she was in body, you know, telling the siblings to forgive each other. You know, she stopped doing all the fighting herself. She stopped name-calling. She stopped thinking of people as, you know, poor behavior and started loving everyone. It really, I mean, her last 20 years were that, of just really learning to love herself and love others. And here's another very interesting point. When um, when she was coming towards the last 10 years of her life, several family members invited her to live with them because they thought said, you know, you shouldn't be living on your own. And she said, no, this is, this is exactly what I want. I've lived my whole life with other people, and now I want to have this experience. And I talked to some of the grandkids after she passed, and one of them, one of my children, was saying that when he had asked her to come and move in and basically insisted that she do it, she turned around and said, if I, if you make me do this, I'll kill myself. And, and I was like, Whoa, well, that's really strong and bold. But, there's, wow. I'm, but the depth of that is that um, he shared that, you know, because several of my kids would talk to her off and on, you know, once a week, once a month, you know, but they all stayed in contact with her because she lived with us for so many years. And in this information, he shared that, she said, sometimes I'm very alone, but this is, this is my experience of something I've never had. This is my experience of freedom. Now think about that. Yeah, you know how I told you that the, the more I go along this, the more I enjoy being alone? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could be similar to that. I was thinking the same thing, that... She's able to find a sense of freedom that she couldn't find amongst other people. And if we think about that, how energy between two people is 100% and how we hold each other in place, then by being alone, we find more strength and more definition of who we are versus being held in place by others. 
Yes, that's exactly why I like being alone. Is because I get to be me without any any encroachment at all. Right. It's very interesting. Yeah. So that was how she ended her life. And um, as the executor, she had called me up. I'm, you know, I had power of attorney for her medical and other things. And she'd called me up about a week and a half before her passing. And she said, they're trying to put me in hospice. And she said, I don't want to go. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do what I can. And when it came up, her daughter was like one of her, her so I'm a daughter-in-law. So her actual birth daughter was like, we need to put her in hospice. And I'm like, she didn't want to go. And the more there was a push for it, the more she started to go. She was, she was expediating the death process because she was going to get her way. Yeah. And we've already talked about that too. People choose when they die. Yes. Well, I do still think it was quite beautiful that she, I mean, she she allowed us all to spend her 90th birthday with her. She was not conscious in a way that she was interacting with us and talking, but we all could feel her. And every time a new person would come into the room, she would make a, a sound, a very specific sound. And, and we all knew that that was her greeting each person as they came in. And mm-hmm. I mean, we, it was just a really beautiful day for us to all have that together. And then it was the next day that she passed. So talking about birthdays, I know I've told you this before, but a really amazing um, natural health practitioner, oriental medicine doctor, once told me that our birthdays are the are a really easy time to end a chapter or begin a new one. So people, it's not unheard of. It's it's quite often that people will die around their birthdays. Wow, I think that would be something interesting to look into, just to as a just as a statistic. To find out, mm-hmm. you know, how many people actually and, and at what age that, that happens. more, Like if it's more seniors that pass at their birthday because it's the easiest way out or juniors and, and even infants. I, I think that'd I be think interesting. I think it's all people. From what I understand, it doesn't matter your age. It's a it's the beginning of one chapter or the ending of another. Or, but the ending of one chapter or the beginning of another, I mean. Do you think that's why it, we make a big deal about birthdays? It could be. Because we're renewing our, our contract or our terms. Because <laughs> yeah. I always wondered why. I mean, if you stop and think about it, some people don't actually celebrate their birthday. And I've always wondered, well, how come I was raised to make a big deal out of birthdays? I mean, it's joyful for me. It's lots of fun. But really, where did that instinct or that encouragement come from? And it sounds like it could have been something like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, and the other time that people tend to die, according to Chinese medicine anyway, is at 4 a.m. in the morning, because that's when the yin is like the highest is around there. Ah, do you know, also, um, when it comes to dying, um, when I was doing, when I was working in the life insurance industry, um, Monday, mm-hmm. Monday, 6 a.m. Oh, wow, interesting, <laughs> because right? that's the beginning of the work week. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, that's and the they, beginning of the stress. And they just so they would so death with heart attack is is predominantly Monday morning six a.m. Isn't that interesting? Did you know it is? Did you know that when the time changes happen, that's also a big peak for heart attacks and for death because people are trying to change their sleep schedules. Oh, I had no idea, mm-hmm. and that interferes yeah. with all of their natural steps and their their um yeah their, their circadian rhythms. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
if we would just get rid of that, that one little change, you know, because people are trying to meet the stress of a society rather than living the truth of what their, their body is telling them, Hey, this is what I need. Yeah. We're just so taught to ignore our body and to push, 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 push. Well, I mean, just, I know this is off topic, but I'll finish this, this up with this idea is that I always thought, why would I shock my system? Why wouldn't I slowly prepare for something? So, you know, prior to the time changing, I would just start changing my, my, clock by 10 minutes not like setting it off 10 minutes but like my alarm would be if it's a if it's a you know spring if you're gonna fall backwards so you're gonna lose time or whatever it is when I would lose the hour and I'd end up being up an hour earlier I would just start adding 10 minutes at a time so that I didn't by the time it actually occurred I wasn't in shock at all I mean yeah that's the spring forward that's where you get spring forward from is because you're springing forward and you lose an hour and, and then, then when you fall back, you gain an hour. So I always felt like the fall back was I get to, this is a blessing and a gift to me that I get to appreciate. So <laughs> Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> I don't ever, I don't change my time. I just go to bed when I feel like it and wake up when I feel like right. it. <laughs> I'm that way now too. But when the kids had school and everything, I always say, hey guys, time to go to bed. And they'd be like, but it's early. I said, it's only 10 minutes early. Just relax. Just cooperate. And I would start that, you know, a couple weeks before. So by yeah, the time. I would say that's absolutely the way to do it, for sure. And not, then you can also do energetic techniques, too, like pulling all of your energy back into yeah. your body. True that. Just like with jet lag, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go back to the topic, um, death and dying through functional information and talking about ambassaries and their purpose. So when they come, they are energetically preparing a person who is passing from their body to remain as living. And so that was another really key concept is Mary is living. And I, when I, when I understood that this morning, everything else changed because I was talking to her as I would the deceased, which is a different vibrational experience in my chest than when I talk to somebody who's living. And as soon as I realized that I could ask her questions and hear her clearly. So she's so she's not dead. She's living, is what you're saying. Even <laughs> yes. though her body is dead. <laughs> yes, and so this was interesting too. When I first started my practice years ago, I would be in a session with somebody, and we would talk. Somebody would show up in the session to talk to us, and they all, whether living or dead, could be heard the same way. But there was a different feeling as far as when I responded to them, for them to hear me and me to get an answer back, I had to alter it just a little if they were living versus if they were already on the other side or if they were far away in the distance. And and sometimes we have to go through, again, a translator when they're so far away or through space and time that doesn't connect to us anymore. So there was all these different little nuances for communicating. And there's a channel that I get along my jawline. It starts up by my ear and comes down my jawline and, and through my cheekbone. And that also helps me realize the communication of other people. So that's like the physical, okay, if, if they want to get my attention, I feel that physical pressure. And so I can feel that now that I'm paying attention, that is another thing that this living, non-embodied person can do. They can contact through this pressure. And, and I wonder too, because that's also the same general pathway to get information from channeling. So 
I'm imagining, haven't asked her yet, that possibly some of the channels we receive come from the the living, let's call them the living adversary. Let me see if that fits. Nope, the non-living adversary. <laughs> so Mary now is a non-living adversary versus the adversary who came to get her. Huh. Oh, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. There's a woman that um, that I know of who has said that the death process has changed recently since we're, since our Earth started moving into a new kind of frequency, mm-hmm. and that the death the the they, she calls it the death space. Mm-hmm. The death space has actually merged with our space here now. Interesting. So maybe does this makes sense with what you're seeing. It does, and it actually just brings something clearly about. We've talked about the call from the future, and then the call from the future. Mary's there. Mm-hmm. And you recently told me that there was options um, as we learn to um, maintain our light bodies in a different form and as we, like the new human that's coming on board, that that new light form would allow for a deceased individual to obtain a body again and it would make so much sense that she is sticking around for that moment. Yeah, and I think as the earth and as we move into these different dimensions, as people call them, uh, you know, like people call it the fifth dimension and all that, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's really accurate, but it's the best way to to kind of say what's going on where mass people will understand. Mm -hmm. Um, But as we get closer to our spiritual realms, we are also, the, the death space is also joining our realm. And then eventually, from what I understand, from what this lady says, is the realm of very high-frequency beings like people consider masters, and negative and positive both, will also be joining our realm. So in other words, the veil is getting thinner. Mm. Yes, and on purpose too, huh? Yeah, and the beings aren't, but like from the the people who are... um, you know, before they had to go a really long way to get to the death space or to, to get where they were going. Now it's just right here. You know, I remember that. It used to take, so, I, you know, I can remember waiting for like seven hours to get information back from somebody who was gone on and, and you know, from generations back. And they would have to trans transfer themselves from there to here. And it would take hours. And now I haven't for a long time felt that that length of, okay, I'm waiting for them to arrive. It's like they're, they're already here. Everybody's already here. That makes perfect sense. So her information is pretty congruent with your information then. Uh, well, I hadn't put it into thought process to, to think of it or understand it, but it does add up. Cool. So that means, I mean, like if I understand the way you say it and the way she says it, Um, if I put those two together, then especially right now, people who die are not leaving us. Well, I can't say that's true for everybody, but I think those that want to stay are staying. And it also, see, Mary made it to 90 when she had her first near-death experience where she should have died and the doctors were saying she's likely to pass. She was 65 years old. And she's had, this was her, this would be her fourth reason to pass that she, when she, when her body died this time, she's had three other reasons to pass. She had cancer, you know, she had, had, um, 
a liver issue that, that was taking her life. And she had multiple reasons for her to die and her insisting that she wanted to stay. And she also said, this was, this is one of the sweetest things. And it makes me laugh is I'd say, so Mary, how much longer are you staying? And she'd say, Oh, just five more years. And she started doing that at 65 when she survived that, that experience. I said, so you're going to stick around. You're going to be here for a while. She said, yeah, just five more years. <laughs> and, <laughs> And before her her ninetieth birthday, she said, "Ah, oh, I said so. You're st- how long are you sticking around?" She said, "Just five more years." Oh my gosh! I it was so that was a little bit of a shock to me when her body gave out so quickly because she was five more years, and she was still walking, and she went down in a matter matter of just a couple of weeks to nothingness. So it makes more sense that she's sticking around on an energy, you know, out of body still five more years. Wow, interesting. Now, um, do you think, do you think that if this, if the veil is getting thinner, what, how does that affect people who are dying now? Like in general, like, do you think that, do you think that some people, like, you know, you said, you don't know if all people stay here in this realm. Some people will, you know, move outside of this realm, go to, go to different places, like, possible different planets the Mm -hmm. void you know things like that what are your what are your thoughts on that now if you look at it now versus looking at it a few years ago well a few years ago anyone that had passed and hadn't been moved on needed support to move on they weren't meant to stay here it wasn't a place for them to stay and hang out and I'm saying I'm saying this is in like 20 years ago um, that was my experience, that everybody needed to continue to move on. And then we had the mass exodus. Now, after the mass exodus, that's when things started changing. That's when I started noticing that, okay, there's not the same experience of of when you're stuck here. There, There's not a lot of people walking around knocking on this door. Because in, in my book, I go over how I had to create this imaginary door in my wall because there were so many dead people asking for me to help them cross that I I was doing it all day long and I was no longer living a human life. And there came a point when I opened that door one day and there was just nobody there anymore. And I thought, oh, well, I guess it's not my job anymore. It didn't even occur to me that that process was changing. Wow. It makes perfect sense. All of this stuff, when we start putting the pieces together, it really starts to be like, how did we not notice it? How did we not see it? That the death process is changing. And here's another thing that just adds more fuel is when um, when my daughter, my middle daughter, who, who could see spirits, when I, t- I was after my third death experience, they told me to tell her not to look for me when I die. And I asked them why. And they said, because you'll turn directly to light. You won't, your body won't go through the death process. And, you know, I, I know it was interesting. And I thought, well, this is cool. I'll tell her. But I don't know how true any of it is. I always, uh, you know, when I hear those really off the wall things, I assume that I've misunderstood or misinterpreted something. But it stuck with me. And when certain things stick with me, I keep... I keep an eye out for, okay, what's the next piece that's going to make this make sense? And if the death process has truly changed, then that that's going to be the magical moment where, of course, we'll all just turn to light. 
we'll be able to take our because we're supposed to keep our bodies they're supposed to go with us they're not we're not supposed to leave the body behind and if you look through certain times in history there are no skeletons right we can only find them going back so far in history even though we can find remnants of people having lived here wow interesting and i do believe that previously the light body was a normal thing that that was the death process versus and you know you hear sages have always said that this is the death process that we turn to light I yeah, mean, the rainbow body too. Mm -hmm. You know how people start like, and I believe it's Tibet and the mountains of Tibet. Um, there's some people who start dying and they become younger and they start looking like kids and babies and and then whenever they leave, people can see this rain. They call it the rainbow body. It's it's then turns into a rainbow body and then there's just like there's like the the human body that's left it's just made out of organic material and nothing else mm -hmm. and it's a very small it's it in other words it's is as if when our spirits inhabit our bodies that's what makes our bodies big and then whenever all of that light and everything is withdrawn then the body's shrunken up and very small and that's like like you you see pictures of them and they look younger as they're dying it's really interesting. interesting. Very interesting. Something to look into for those that want more information, for sure. I yeah. like it. Yeah, I think I think as we continue to pay more and more attention and to document all of these different processes, that the pieces are going to fall into place, and it's going to start to make sense. Cool. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Laura. Thanks for coming in on the conversation. Thanks, Christine. That was fun. Awesome. Bye, guys. <clears throat> Bye.